Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So welcome, everybody, to a new episode of the Alts and Our Stars, Billboard's alternative and rock music podcast. And I'm here today with Jesse. And Eric from Tan Lines. Hello, hello. Hey. So I know you guys are like kind of new to the podcast thing. Hmm. So I'll explain it to you. It's like you hold the mic up close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you have a thought you want to say, mm-hmm. you say, and I'm joking, guys. Oh, we can handle <laughs> this. You, I see. Jesse, of course, hosts No Effects podcast. Yeah. Which I encourage you all to check out if you like interesting discussions with musicians and cultural people and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Talk about that a little bit later. The main reason we're here today is because Tan Lines have announced their new fancy sophomore album. It's called Highlights. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very fancy title. So the album art from the old album, it's pretty similar. The Correct. old album was black and white, and you guys were kind of like moody, mm-hmm. looking kind of upset. And now you're not smiling, <laughs> but the album cover is in color this time. So why is it color? Well, you know, it's, um, you know, because there's more tones, more depth. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's an elevated version of the last <laughs> cover in some ways, right? It's our sophomore effort. We go places we haven't gone before. So we wanted to show a picture of us. That was actually the one thing we knew before we started writing this album. We The one thing we knew, we didn't know the title. We didn't know what the songs were going to be. We didn't know what it was going to sound like. But we knew that the cover was going to be kind of like the last one but in color this time and so that's yeah that's really that was really the starting point um i would say in terms of the one idea we had at the beginning of the process that came all the way through and was in the finished product also so i'm happy you asked about that yeah i've, I've always been all about tan lines album art yeah actually before the first album i always wondered what is the on the EP, like kind of a laughing man and there's some jungle weeds around him. What's up with that? So that's a picture of two laughing white men that are not us. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want to go all the way back to then, there is a progression, right? So there's two white men on the cover of the EP that aren't us. And then the, the, our first album album, we did put ourselves on the cover, but we're not laughing and we're in black and white on the second album. It's in color, and it's us again. Still not laughing, but it's in color. Maybe the third album will be us laughing, you know. Maybe we'll get there. The first, but to answer your exact question, it's like a stock photo our friend took at a mall of Mm -hmm. two men. I think it was probably in the window of a store, like a Joseph A. Bank or something. Right. 
that's the style. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought that was excellent artwork. Yeah. I love stock photos. Yeah. From working on the internet, I just wish bands would, or just anyone would just take like Shutterstock images out of context and just use them for things. Yeah. They're hilarious. Um, Someone did that. I can't remember who. It'll come to me at some point, though. Someone used some stock artwork as their album cover at some point. Good idea. A friend of mine tweeted her favorite all-time Shutterstock stock photo, and it was a picture of a little boy hugging a cactus. Yeah. (laughs) Just, like, holding it up to his face with, like, the spines, but he was just happy and hugging it. And that photo exists for some reason on the Shutterstock website. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's... uh... For there's like, some, there's some poetry. Desert in conservation among children, something like that. Or just to remind everyone that everyone deserves a hug, even if you're as pretty as a cactus. Yeah. yeah. And there was a song called Cactus on the first <laughs> Tan Lines album. You're very good. Everything's coming yeah. together right now. <laughs> did you set Did you set that up? The you can, whole thing? You can look at my You can paper? look at my notes. That's not on there. It's not on there. Yeah, that, that was, was good. Very impressive segue. <laughs> yes, there, we did have a song called Cactus. Yeah. So I have no segue off of that, though. Oh. Well. It's going to end with Cactus the Song. That's Okay. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> the next thing, though, I want to talk about the sad winky face. Okay. Because that's, that's like, that is tan lines, right? That was our, um, I would say that you're talking about winky sad. That yeah. was our logo, I would say, for the last album. And it's our, it still remains our sort of spirit emoji. It's a winking it's it's a winking sad face so it's when something is uh sad or messed up but you can still make a joke about it Hmm. um it's sort of a self-deprecating emoji it's a combination of funny and sad and that's our whole sort of aesthetic it's kind of upbeat music with a sad vocal we mix those things a lot right Hmm. Um, the new logo for this album is, um, it's a tan yin yang. Okay. So it's similar to the coexistence of two separate sort of emotions, but this is a little, this is fresh, fresher in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Jesse is also wearing a watch with that same exact logo on it. That's correct. That's correct. This is black and white. I wish it was tan. Oh, okay. Maybe we'll make, maybe we'll make a watch based on this watch. That's a good idea. Yeah. Eric, do you have a matching watch? No. <laughs> Did you guys have winky sad watches? No, it was I wish we I wish we, we had buttons, we had stickers, the CD face um had the winky sad oh, on okay. it. Okay. Um because I was going to say, did you guys ever sell like t-shirts or merch like that with Winky Sad? Because I would have been all about that. We could have done a much more effective job in monetizing <laughs> yeah. and merchandising just in general. It's actually one of the parts about being a band that we're by far the worst at is merch and all of that. We have done full tours where we're just like, let's not bring the merch. Just don't <laughs> want to do it. We've deal had with a it. hard time embracing yeah. the commercialism of music. You know? That's that's one way to look at it. <laughs> that's um yeah. But no, we never did yeah. Never did a great job with that. Hmm. Cuz another thing I I kind of pick up on with 
the Almart and the Winky Sad is sort of these two personalities of tan lines. Mm. Like the lyrics are, you know, more about feelings. There's like love songs. But then like the tan lines Twitter is super snarky. So there's totally Mm. these two sides. Yeah, that's like you two guys. You're looking at it. Yeah. Yes. You're looking at us. Yeah. And who do you think? Where do you think the lyrics and that feelings and the emotions come from? Well, I know Eric writes the lyrics, right? That's right. That's right. Okay, so I know the answer. You don't hear me telling any jokes either. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so, even yeah. though I just told one, that's in the a super stealthy way. <laughs> that's it. That's 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 our uh, that's our that's our creative makeup. Yeah. So, Eric, if you did the Twitter, what do you think you would tweet about from the Tan Lines Twitter? Mm. Um, twice this week, I've been told I look like Daniel Day Lewis, <laughs> and the second time just happened at this tea place I went to. At an obvious, I I don't remember the name of it, but uh, <laughs> no promo. <laughs> yeah, we'll, keep, we'll we'll edit that. I thought part to out. myself. I thought to myself, if I did Twitter, I would tweet that. I think. That would be a good a, it's tweet. It's a nice compliment for me, you know? That would be a good tweet. You think yeah. so? He does the I Instagram. I don't think that would be a good oh, tweet. Oh, you do the Instagram. Actually. He does. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. We sort of made made that the split, you know? I'm kind of more visual. Mm, well, I mean, it's all I, about... I, and I'm trying real hard to get better at it. Well, with the tweet, it's yeah. just all about how you, like, liven it up and how you present it or say If you just say, like, I was at the novice today... Probably not be no promo. That that wouldn't. Yeah, I would never tweet. (laughs) I was at a a commercialized coffee outlet today in Manhattan. That would not be a good tweet. But with Daniel Day Lewis, it becomes good. Maybe a a picture of you next to his face. Maybe seems seems like a lot of getting warmer. Yeah, Yeah. it is is a lot of work. That's why I don't tweet. Yes, it also goes to our kind of create different sort of creative impulses eric likes to spend more a lot of time developing this music developing the lyrics uh really working it over thinking about it letting it come out in its own in a very kind of private way Mm -hmm. i'm just like let's just go it's good let's go let's keep moving keep it moving and Mm -hmm. like i so it's easy for me to just like take out my phone and like share a dumb thought and not think twice about it we're wired differently in that way. That's mm-hmm. also part of the yin yang of our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just easier for me to have that sort of whatever, who cares, public persona. Yeah. I really care about every single detail. He's detail oriented. Mm-hmm. I'm not at all uh, detail oriented. I hate details. I think details are stupid. I think details just are awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, see, yeah. I'm really impressed with people who are detail oriented, but I, I, I can't, I, I can't relate to it. I, I could never be Japanese for that reason. It's a culture that really respects uh, details. I right. feel like, and mastery, and all of those things. I mean, there's a lot of reasons I couldn't be Japanese. The main one being that I'm not Japanese, but in terms of what I imagine a big part of what I observe to be a big part of the culture and the detail orientedness. I can't, I, I can't go, I can't get into it. I can't go there. It's not, I'm not wired that way. I, I'm not a perfectionist. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of finish off the yin and yang. Mm. If I'm using that correctly, I might not be of the question to Eric, Jesse, if you wrote the lyrics of tan lines, what do you think those lyrics would be like? Good question. Great question. Good question. Um, 
Hmm. I think that I would be overly clever, unfortunately. Uh, and I don't think that would be, like I'm like on Twitter, like I'm really into puns and wordplay mm. and little jokes and humor and things like that. And as much as I like those things, I don't think that they would I don't think they're ultimately what's effective or interesting about lyrics. I think lyrics are all about delivering real feelings and real emotion. Mm. And you can spice them with little uh, clever clever turns of phrase i would say um but that that's i think the essence of it is to be um to share your feelings and emotions and that's not necessarily the thing that i'm best at um in that respect so it's a good division of labor i i, I would say I, th I think it is i think it works for us um because i do think ultimate humor and music is hard you know like if something's too funny, if if something's too funny, it really takes you out of the emotional space of a song, and you, you mm. go you go into a different brain space yeah. where you're laughing, and that's fine. You know, every Kanye can make a funny joke, and it, he's very funny in his in his lyrics, but ultimately, the thing that people love all music and Kanye and everybody is the emotional quality to it. I think that's the thing that people really identify with. So humor is like a hard thing to work with in, in music. It's it, it's hard to pull off. Yeah. And it's kind of, I think, better to... What we do maybe is like to incorporate humor into the like aesthetic world of tan lines, but the music itself isn't exactly like funny. It shouldn't be, you know? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, speaking of that music, we should probably talk about the new record. Sure. Highlights. Yeah. So you worked on the new album in partially in New York, mm -hmm. like every other band, and then in Correct. Pittsburgh, like no other bands. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so tell me what, what this process is like. And there was like an exploding laptop or something involved, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, we went to... Uh, we when we were on the road talking about writing and stuff, we didn't know how we were going to start writing. And, and I, I don't know if I did, or we both decided to go to my parents' house in Pittsburgh where I grew up and, uh, just trying to write like in the basement, you know, like kids again. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was cool. We went there, we set up a studio in the basement, we turned on the computer and the computer exploded. And, uh, like, 
like pop pop pop, pop it was pop. like that's awesome yeah, I never in saw a way, a computer explode. shooting out of it <laughs> in a way i didn't think a computer could could do that you know also um, it we should we, i should say we had like rented a truck loaded our whole studio into the truck driven six hours yeah. like gotten there set up the whole studio and we had yeah. like this all these thoughts like oh we're gonna start this process like totally it's gonna be totally different we're gonna be out here and like it was just like great it's like we're here and now and now what are we supposed to do yeah now what do we do so so what did you do well we said well we can't use this computer i guess so we uh we only had my guitar and we had some drums so we just played like that you know we just jammed with guitar and drums and uh it was pretty good and and we 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 did like a bunch of songs just like that and then um and then we came home and sort of it stuck with us like that that sort of free of the computer vibe and uh but we still we still worked on the computer and um yeah, it just sort of set the tone that that experience. The, for the album song we wrote there was song. "Invisible Ways," yeah, which is on the album. Mm-hmm. It's the first song that we wrote. It's the only song from those sessions that made it onto the album, and it was the first song that we wrote for the album that we were like, "This is really good. This is the start of something." And so, as we worked um, for the next year and a half or so. Um, and we did incorporate some of our old instruments. Uh, we didn't write the whole album that way, but because that was the first song that we wrote that for the album that we were really happy with, everything we wrote after that was kind of compared to it. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of the that experience and that song was, like he said, it kind of set the tone for all the work that followed because everything was kind of compared to that yeah. first thing. And, and we, I- that song is just a kind of a weird song. We're like, well, we can't write a bunch of songs like this, you know? I think we were trying to, but yeah, I don't know why. It just came so easily, that song. Yeah, well, there's a little bit more of the guitar on the album. In general, yes. Yeah, yeah. it ended up that we, we, we made, um, we used a lot more guitar. Yeah. And, and, and I do remember, at, like, the beginning thinking to myself, you know, I really just want to focus on singing. And, and not, I was thinking, like, there's going to be less guitar on this album. And, and in fact, it was the opposite that happened. So, well, I hear guitars are on their way out. On the way out? No, I'm kidding. Uh-oh. Oh, well, no, that would be all right. You guys would be fine. Okay. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, yeah. I was. Yeah. I, I sort of people always say that, and in a way, sort of like with you know with working with Billboard and seeing what's on the charts, it is in a way, but then in a way, it totally isn't because you'll see pop stars touring and they have guitars yeah. and their bands so I it's mean, sort of guitar, like it's been a while since the guitar has been sort of you know an attention getter in mm-hmm. in pop popular music yeah but then it's like but you'll see kendrick lamar outcast play live and they have guitars in their band yeah and it's yeah. like wait huh i think it's just such a signifier of rock music the guitar mm-hmm. is so identified with rock music yeah. that it becomes lumped into the conversation about whether rock is dead or rock isn't dead Whereas a guitar is, you know, I don't think naturally just a rock instrument. And that's why you see it in everyone's kinds of bands. Um, You know, you just, it's one of our strongest, I feel like Eric's voice 
and his guitar playing are like our two strongest unique and human elements in this band so they're gonna be there you know it's like we're always trying to decide whether how much computer and electronic stuff and how much human stuff like that's the balance that you want to strike because ultimately i think the things that people identify with in our music are the human things i think those are the things that separate us from other artists they're the unique parts Mm -hmm. his voice the guitar playing and our perspective collectively um and so they're always going to be there in some form or another and i always i encourage eric to play to pick up the guitar as much as possible whenever we're like stuck on a track i'm like why don't you pick up the guitar why don't you play the guitar and uh it's you know it's for that reason i think so yeah, it ended up there a lot. It did end up a lot. There are a lot of guitars on this album. Yeah, I think that's cool. I, I like it. Yeah. So speaking of rocking, rocking okay. hard, mm-hmm. Grizzly Bear. Yes. Who rock really hard? Yeah. I, hard I, rock. Hard rock <laughs> band. Grizzly yeah, Bear. Hard rock. Yes. Group. Hard rockers. <laughs> rock and rollers. Mm-hmm. Rock dudes. Rock gods. <laughs> Uh, Grizzly Bear. You know, if someone never listens to them and was just trying to go with it, you could totally just get them to think that, like, Grizzly Bear was a metal band. Just because of the name? Yeah. yeah it's like good. Mastodon. Mm-hmm. Um, go on. Chris Taylor from Grizzly Bear. Correct. He helped out with the album, right? Correct. So what did he do? Um, so we had been working on the album ourselves. We had always produced everything ourselves, along with uh, Patrick Ford, who's kind of our third member almost of our band um um and we had been working and working and doing all these different sessions and we had gotten to the point where we were just like it's time to bring in another creative voice into this project um and chris heard the stuff and wanted to do it and he came in at a time when i think we really needed that and we never worked with a producer before we wanted someone that we respected and trusted and he came in and he also brought with him his very unique uh recording space which was is a church in brooklyn in greenpoint Mm -hmm. um where they have worked in the past and where he has a studio set up and to us that was like a very exciting opportunity because like i said we're always trying to like decide where the line is between being in the box so to speak electronic and outside the box human and we were really wanted to take this stuff outside the box. And that's about as far that what we, where we ended up doing most of the vocals and finishing all the songs was in on this balcony of this church, which is about as far away from working like two guys looking at a computer screen mm. in a bedroom as possible. Um, and I think that you can hear a lot of that on this album. You can like, there's air in it. There's, you can feel the sort of air in the room. And I thought mm-hmm. that was an important thing to have on this album, and Chris really brought that to it. Um, yeah. And probably playing more festivals, bigger spaces, when you tour behind the album, that probably will come in handy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, one of the things when Eric was doing the vocals, it was like he was on this uh, platform overlooking this huge church, like totally empty. Mm-hmm. And it was like, use your what something chris would say is like use your stage voice like use this your stage voice um and it, i think it was e- probably easier to do that eric i can't speak for him but it's probably easier to do that in that environment than it would be when you're like recording like in a tiny little isolation booth somewhere 
Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. I saw you guys last at Governor's Ball last year, so mm. probably one of the bigger crowds you guys have played. Yeah. 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 Mm. So that was actually during the week we were working with Chris. One of the weeks we were working with Chris. Yeah. We had to yeah. like um that, it was right in the middle. We had to like take a day back? off to do, yeah. to do that show. Yeah, we were gonna go back after the show, but we didn't. Yeah. But yeah. That was weird. Mm. Yeah. Cool, cool. It was a yeah, it was a weird time. I don't think we expected to still be working on the album when we booked that show. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's so, true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was in the crowd like tan lines. Where's the new music? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we played some new stuff that day. I think. Uh-huh. I think that was one of the first we times did. we played some new stuff. It's few. hard, you know. It's it's hard the to introduce new music now, like in the environment like that, especially if it's not done because. People will film something and they'll put it on YouTube. And yeah, and then everyone picks up. It's like, oh, new Tan Line song premiere. And you're like, yeah, maybe we didn't want to do it this way. Exactly. So, and it's also like, you know, obviously, like when you're playing for a festival crowd and a large group of people, you also want to give them the music that they're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a lot, we had like a year of that kind of weird in between period, um, which isn't the coolest space. It's not the most fun space to be. It's way more fun, like, once the music's out there and, you know. But I can't complain. I had fun. I always do. Yeah. Cool. Well, I want to wrap up with a little bit of talk about the No Effects podcast. Sure. Since we're doing a podcast right now, it would be really cool and meta, probably. Yeah. I've been judging you this entire time. (laughs) Yeah. We'll have all sorts of realizations. Yeah. About media and podcasts and whatever. But one thing that... I was listening to the one you did with Jody Rosen, mm-hmm. like the extra long 90 minute version yes. of that one. Yeah. One thing that really stuck with me was your publicist was telling you, you know, 25% of space on the internet or in publications is reserved for new bands. So, you, so Tan Lines, when you were new, you kind of got that press the first time around, but now mm-hmm. it's album number two. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the narrative has to be different. The narrative in like, you're sort of like, but music's going to be good isn't that you know mm-hmm. so what do you what do you think the narrative or what do you want it to be with tan lines this album oh okay so this is a question actually about the band not the podcast sure that's good um yeah i don't know if she said our publicist said 25 percent exactly it was something like that she mm-hmm. she made the point that like a certain amount of space is always going to be for new artists because there's just automatically something to write about there here's a new face here's a new sound whatever it is and it makes sense and when you're coming back the second time, yeah, you have to present some new vision. You have to convince people who've already written about you why they should write about you again. And as an artist, I would love it to be enough. Oh, well, this is just great music, you know. That would be nice. It would mm. be why shouldn't that be enough to write about, you know? Here's this new music from this artist that we've already told you we love. Um it remains to be seen for this album if that will be the case or that won't be the case. Um, but why do I think that is? I, I don't know I, the right way to say this, but I think that the truth is that when it comes to journalism, it's easier to write about something if there's a narrative, like if there's an established narrative, to find a narrative. Um, and when I feel like when people talk to you, uh, when they interview you, 
they're seeking out that narrative so they can tell that story because you can't just i guess you can't just describe music right it's not enough Mm -hmm. um and so what is the narrative for this album i mean i think that the narrative is hopefully is that like we've gotten really we've gotten better at making music and our music is better and deeper and and has gone places that we weren't going to go before and i hope people are like these guys are really good you know that's what i would love it to be and then just talking about all the things they love about the music um but you know we told the story of how we made this album and even in talking to you you know you picked up on certain aspects of it you know the story starting in pittsburgh in the basement and the computer exploding working with Chris Taylor. And those are all the ways that we did this album differently. And there is a story there to mm-hmm. be told also. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. I know from doing my podcast, um, I try not to do any of that. Like my whole thing with the podcast that I have is like, I've been on the receiving end of interviews and I've felt people sort of just like asking questions off the press release, mm-hmm. asking questions off the bio or the Wikipedia page. And I make a point. <laughs> I don't read Wikipedia. I don't read bios. I don't read press releases before I talk to somebody. I'd rather err on the side of presenting something that's like boring, which would it sometimes is, than try to like get something out of an artist, you know? Mm-hmm. I, and because I th- I think that that's when it's good, it's better, basically. Like, if I get something interesting out of them in a natural way, it'll be closer to a true representation of who the artist is in terms of how they see themselves. If I don't get there with them, I have something that's, like, kind of boring and meandering, and maybe we talk about something, like, unrelated to music entirely for 45 minutes. But when I do get there, hopefully it's a place that's more interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, and finally, what are some of your favorite episodes you've done on the podcast that like really left you thinking? Like ones that you think will be the most memorable ones. Um, my most recent episode I I, I put up was with Kalella. Um, I just put that up a couple days ago, and I I was I was very happy with that one. And but I can't really take credit for it because she was very very open and and when someone's open like that and they're sharing more, it's going to be better and more interesting and going to go in lots of interesting places. And you're going to think to yourself, Oh, I didn't know that about that person or Mm -hmm. that person's like totally different than I expected. And so that was a good one. I wasn't left with any questions. Another one I really liked was, um, Eleanor Friedberger from the fiery furnaces. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that because, um, we had a lot of different opinions about like where music is in 2015 or 14. And she was game to sort of like not debate it with me, but like disagree yeah. in a way that didn't feel hostile. Um, it was like entertaining and interesting. It wasn't so, like a Twitter feud. No, I don't have those. <laughs> I don't do that. I, I don't do that. I, I just stay out of the, f- the the feuds, the feud space. Yeah, I, I mean, I I don't I, I don't do that. Mm. I don't I don't put out any sort of hate like that. It, I just 
I keep an immense amount of it to myself, and I'm probably going to explode someday in a <laughs> rage. So anyway, that's all the time we have. We'll be back next week, as we are every Friday. Until then, remember you can subscribe to the podcast by clicking the iTunes link towards the bottom of the article. You can also listen to archived episodes there. Lots of good stuff. We have Pete Wentz, Screaming Females, Waxahachie. And until then, until next time, take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.